Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Places Where We Go. And today we're going to take you to another location in Cardiff. Today we visit Cardiff Castle. Yes, we are actually staying in Cardiff close to the city center, which is exactly where the castle is. You can't miss it. It's got the very big walls that surround it. And as you walk into city center, you it's right there in front of your face. You it's, can't miss it. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So we were walking through the city center, happened to see this castle. And I think it was on our list as a maybe. But I think once we saw it, we decided, hey, we're definitely going to find some time to right. make sure we, mm-hmm. we visit this for at least a few hours. And yes. Here. And I really didn't think it would take that long. When I first thought about going to the castle, I thought it would kind of be a short trip. And I'm not sure hmm. why. I don't know Because either. the walls look massive. Yeah, it looked huge. But I just thought, oh, this isn't going to take very long. Yeah, but. that seemed to be a common theme on our trip. It seemed like everything <laughs> we were planning to do, we thought, oh, this was going to be 20 minutes. And everything that we ended up doing took quite a bit longer. Yeah. And this was one of those. So Cardiff Castle turned out to be the second castle that we visited during our stay in Cardiff. So the first was Raglan Castle. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that on a previous episode. And then this one, again, was right in the city center. Raglan Castle, we had planned specifically to go to. Cardiff was one of those, well, let's go. And come to find out that as we entered in and started looking, that I had connections, family connections to this castle also. Yeah. So, Albeit the family was way, way back centuries ago, but... It's still family, right? (laughs) You're connected on the family tree. This particular place, like a lot of places we try to go to during our time in the UK, we try to get there fairly close to opening. You know, we seem to find out that the early bird seems to get some of the best um, tourism experience. You know, you're not as likely to battle with the huge crowds. And so that worked to our advantage when we visited Cardiff Castle. Mm -hmm. So we got there early in the morning, shortly after it opened. We bought the admission just to get to the main part of the castle. We'll talk about some of the other options that are available. Mm -hmm. But the main admission provides access to the vast majority of the grounds, and then you can see a portion of the castle rooms. Yes, and the entrance fee is very reasonable for the amount of things that you see within the castle walls itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought it was extremely reasonable. For an adult, it was 13 50 pounds. There was extra ease for other things, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you got access to all the grounds, the keep, the walls that had an interior to it, which we'll talk about, mm-hmm. the gift shop. It was just really, really expansive. For that 1350 pounds, we got at least a good two hours 
of time to tour the castle. Yeah, and they also provided uh, audio. Yeah, so that was helpful to understand what it is that we were looking at. So we learned during our visit that the history of this castle actually goes back to the Roman time. So when the Romans were in Wales many, many centuries ago, and you see a history from that time all the way through fairly recent history through World War II. Yeah, the Romans were there actually in the first century. They were there for a very long time, and they, as Romans did, they built fortitudes to protect mm -hmm. their, you know, their land that they're claiming. So there are remnants of these walls and some buildings that are visible today because they had to unearth them. They had thought for the longest time that it was started by the Normans, mm -hmm. which started in the 11th century when they came, the Normans came and conquered. The Normans had built upon what was there But what they didn't know was that the Romans were there and underneath what the Normans built was the Roman ruins. And the people of the historical society of today actually had to go and claim more land around the castle so they could excavate that part of the Roman ruins. So there was actually some homes and some businesses that were I'm sure they paid for it. But you got to make way for history. Yeah, but that in order for them to get access to the Roman ruins, that's what they did. Yeah, so it was neat. When we were there, we saw some of the work that the archaeologists had done, and they were able to trace four different main footprints of this castle over time. And to your point, the oldest one that they identified was in the first century of the Romans. Mm -hmm. So... Interesting to learn during our time in the UK how much of a Roman presence there was there. I know I've heard yeah. about that in the past, but yeah. we actually saw it once, you know, yeah, yeah, here at Cardiff Castle. A week or so later when we traveled to Bath, mm -hmm. you know, that also had a fairly big Roman presence as well. And prior to that, when we went to Caerleon, there was Roman ruins. Yeah. yeah. When you get into the castle, one of the first things that you walk through is, um, is a visitor center area. And inside the same building where you get the tickets from... There's a timeline that you can observe and read about how the castle came to be, how it grew, how it shifted over the centuries. And that's where you had, you know, you had spent some time. I had an time. aha moment. Yeah. So I was, I was making my way down all the plaques and I was all the way down the hall and you were stuck toward the beginning because there was a few things that caught your eye. There was a name that caught my eye and it was Richard Neville. Richard Neville, also known as the Kingmaker, Uh, in the 15th century, actually became an owner of this castle. His daughters, he had two daughters, one of which married a king, an English king hmm. called Richard III. Her name was Anna. And it was interesting to, to see all that connection through the Neville name. I knew I had connections with Richard Neville. I had that on my timeline, but I didn't know much about him other than he was very barbaric and uh, would do anything for power, something of today. <laughs> so I'm sorry, you're connected to Neville? Yes. On your line? Mm -hmm. So I also had in my notes that the other name that caught your eye was William Herbert. William Herbert. And that's on your lineage. Also who owned the Raglan Castle, also came in possession of Cardiff Castle. And you're also connected to that guy. And absolutely, directly connected to Yeah, him. so as we... 
we had no idea about this part of the history, but we're, we're about a week into Wales and Julie's collecting castles yes. one by one with her uh, family tree. So yeah. this was an unexpected addition to your yeah, castle collection. Yeah, it was really neat. I, I, it was uh, one of those things I didn't know. So, you know, I had to go to England or Wales, excuse me. I had to go to Wales to find out. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty cool. Yeah. So we spent some time walking through that introduction area to the castle. Mm-hmm. When you get out the the doors, almost immediately, you can see some of those initial early Roman walls. They're kind of right in the middle of the large, do you call it a courtyard or kind of that large open yeah, area? Yeah, You can almost think about this castle, the grounds, like a big square or a rectangle. So you've got walls around the perimeter on four sides. Inside is a large grassy area. And then you have on the perimeters throughout is where the various rooms would have been. So I think we walked through where the, where that first area was and we walked to our left and we were able to see some of the dining rooms. I think was some of the first yeah, things it was, that it we was saw. A dining room, there was some kind of study or library yeah. in which I found the Herbert name on a piece of furniture there. Okay. And I think uh, and, those, those and, are kind of like recreated, right? To, to look like they probably would have looked back in the day. So I remember Well, not, that- not actually. In the 19th century, there was somebody by the name of Marquis of Butte who then became owner of the castle. When he became owner, he decided to create those rooms to look more Victorian style. Okay. So that's why you have that very elaborate gaudy look inside those rooms. Very fancy. Yeah. So we spent a little bit of time going through there um, and looking on the probably was the western side of the castle is my guess. But when you're in that big grassy area, I think, you know, the thing that really catches your eye is on the north end is the thing that they call the keep. So -hmm. that's the large defensive structure. That's the thing that really looks castle-y, right? And that's from Norman times. Yeah. So there's there's a little bit of everything there. You can see the Roman ruins. Mm-hmm. You can see vestiges of the Norman castle, and then you see where the Marquis of Butte had make it made it more Victorian style. Yeah. So the the keep definitely caught our eyes. We decided we were going to take a walk up there, and you do walk up a fair amount of stairs. You know, there there's yeah, some... and there's no other way to get up. You have to walk up yeah. the stairs. And I think I remember it being kind of narrow. As you're walking up, you see that this structure is surrounded by a moat. We walked up the mound on the north end of the grounds into the keep, and that this is the defensive portion of the castle, again, surrounded by a moat. And the moat had some water in it. It was very grown over, so you mm-hmm. didn't see much of the water, but it did have water. Yeah. And once you get up there, you do have the ability to walk through some of the... I think that part is kind of more ruins, it kind of seemed like, right? So Yeah, there's no... I think it was three floors, and and then the top of the defense area, it was rounded, I think Mm -hmm. it was rounded, and it had those defensive-looking portical things up in the top. But you were able to walk up through some of the the lookout areas, you know, there's steps in there, so you got a little bit of that. Yeah, you went straight up to the top. Mm -hmm. There was one area you could go straight up to the top, and there was still some rooms that you could walk in, small little rooms that I don't know what they were used for. There was really nothing labeling them. Or the nothing I remember. So this was one where you were primarily guided by the audio tour throughout. Yeah. There were fewer scripted plaques to read in this castle compared to other places that we saw. But 
having the audio narration with us helped to guide us through where to go, what to see. And then once you got to certain places that had markers on them, I think they had numbers at the castle. So you would, you would go to the next right. number and then you would listen to the description of what, yeah. what it is that you happen to be looking at. And to get it to the top of the keep in that one little area that you could actually stand upon and look out over the city. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Yeah. Because it was very expansive. You could see really far. I think you could even see the top of Castle Coke. Oh, there was, yeah, there were some top. pretty nice views up there. Beautiful views, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be one place you take your camera and get mm-hmm. a, a vista mm-hmm. of the city of Cardiff. Yeah. The yeah. stairway was narrow, as most ancient stone buildings are. So you had to kind of navigate your way around people that were coming and going. Mm -hmm. So there was one thing that was somewhat irritating to me. And I think just being a mother, you kind of give yourself allowances when children are misbehaving. We visited here during the summertime. (laughs) During the summertime, there was large groups of children. These were high schoolers. From countries outside of Wales. Yes, these were, shall I say, Italian children. And we'll preface with, I love Italy. Oh, we love Italy. (laughs) Italy is great. But when, there's a lot of things I can let go of. You know, when they're pushing their way up the stairs and you just got to kind of push your, you know, get out of the way because they're coming and they're not going to stop. Yeah, if you like it or not. Yeah. And and so it's like, okay, okay, so that I can take. But when the young man decided to climb the keep walls, that's when I lost it. I was that, like, that's when Julie's we're going to not going to have none of this. We're looking to find security at this point. Oh, I yelled at him. Because I think by this point, you actually had, you, I think you internalized the personal connection to I the did. castle. So this was like your castle and you weren't going to have anybody misbehaving. That's right. At your place. So I kind of, I don't even know if they understood, but I know they understood. Get your butt off that wall. Yeah. Because the chaperones weren't reeling them in. <laughs> yes. They were kind of almost nowhere to be found. Yes. So, and I did because, you know, I was trying to be fair to the castle and the people that upkeep this castle. So I did find somebody that worked there and I said, hey, you might want to go check out these kids because they're a little out of control. Well, and you also think about what they were climbing on. I mean, this was very, I mean, centuries old stonework and you don't want anybody messing with that. It's, It's kind of like, you know, I think about... In the United States, every now and then you hear about some, I don't even know what people are thinking about, but they'll go to our national parks and either deface things or, mm-hmm. you know, get right. into old, you know, stone structures, be it in, you know, Utah and Bryce or wherever, and they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. You you go to these places to observe, to appreciate what you're seeing things. You don't mess them up. So kind of like that rule of camping is when you leave, you leave it exactly like you found it. When you go see historical sites, hands off, you know, enjoy what you're looking at. But geez, don't climb the walls of the castle. Don't climb my castle walls. Especially when Julie's visiting. (laughs) Yes. All right. So we were done with the keep. And then after that, we went to the east and northern part of the castle and what was interesting about this part is this is where they had a display that talked about how the castle was used during World War II for shelter of the residents of Cardiff that had to take cover during bombing yeah. um, that occurred. That surprised me. Yeah. I, I didn't have any idea that that was a part of the history. Yeah, nor did I. 
So you're walking through these long internal corridors is where the residents were at. They had some kind of makeshift setup to give you an experience of what it would have been like. So kind of where people would have slept, where they would have kept some of the food, etc. There also was a lot of photography that was posted yeah. on the walls to give you a sense of what it actually looked like yeah. during that time. And they tried to give you an audio version of what it might have been like during raids, mm, bomb mm-hmm. raids. And there was some radio communications that were being piped through on some speakers. And you had these sirens go off when the residents were warned about an incoming bombing. Mm-hmm. So it was, and it was loud too. It was very, very loud. Yeah. So they, they really tried to recreate yeah. what it would have sounded like. They had estimated that more than 1,800 people were able to take refuge within the walls. They had special ramps that were built to offer quick access to get into the shelters. And research also showed that these corridors had dormitories with bunks, kitchens, toilets, Mm -hmm. first aid posts that were here as well. Mm -hmm. And again, so a pretty neat recreation and an exhibition of how this castle was used for residents of Cardiff in fairly recent history, when you think about the overall history of the castle. I enjoyed that part of it a lot because that's history that is very close to us in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. The pictures, especially on the walls, they had pictures that depicted some of the damage that the bombings had done in Wales. I personally didn't know that Wales was even bombed during World War II. I, I didn't know that either. I knew about England. Yeah. But again, that's kind of one of the neat things when you do take time to go to new places yeah. is you learn things that you didn't know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So the day that we planned to visit the castle, we also had some other activities planned for the afternoon. So we kept it somewhat short with what we've described to you already. That took two hours. So, you know, we got a good couple of hours Pretty nice experience under the category of if we had more time. And if you have more time and happen to visit Cardiff Castle, we would recommend considering one of the optional tours. And they have at least three to choose from. There is, for starters, the Clock Tower Tour. And when you see the castle from the city center, one of the sites that you happen to see is that clock tower. So you can actually have a guide that takes you up to the spiral staircase Mm -hmm. and get some history about the clock tower. It is noted that there are a lot of steps and they're uneven on this tour. So if you happen not to have the best mobility, this might not be the best for you. But if you can make your way through something like that for 4.75 pounds, you can add on that tour. Two of the other tours, there's a film location tour, so you can get a sense of how the the grounds of this location were used for various movies and shows. That also is available to you at another 4.75 pounds at the time of this podcast. And lastly, there's what they call the connoisseur tour. And this is for a more exclusive visit where you can get a private tour of the castle apartments, with your personal guide and you'll get a chance to see how the castle would have appeared in the 19th century. The connoisseur tour also gives you access to the clock tower. So this one lasts about 90 minutes. It costs a bit more. It's 27.95 pounds per person, but you also with the tour get tea or coffee and Welsh cakes after the tour, as well as a souvenir guidebook. So that's under, like, if we had more time, which I wish in some ways that we would have, because inside the castle, Mm -hmm. 
the rooms that we saw, I did notice there was some stained glass uh, mm. walking through some of the corridors. I noticed stained glass. Mm-hmm. On that stained glass, I did notice Anna Neville. I also noticed another sister, uh, Neville's sister, that was married to a duke that happened to live there. Hmm. There was also Isabel Neville, who was married to George, who's the Duke of Clarence. In seeing these connections that were really visible within the castle itself, I got a sense like, oh, really should have gone upstairs because it might have been even more interesting to see if there was any other connections Mm -hmm, up there mm -hmm. through stained glass or through furniture that had the crest on it or something, you know, so it was kind of, uh, you know, wish I would have. You know, we only spent two hours there. I think we got a cursor review of this castle. And and when you think about this place has been around for nearly 2,000 years, its history is deep and immense. And there probably is a lot to learn just about this particular location and the people who once inhabited the castle. All right. So I have one. I'll put it under the category of fun facts about the castle. So one of the things I learned is that the grounds of the castle are used from time to time as a music venue. So Mm -hmm. over the years, this castle has hosted a number of musical events. And you've had several famous artists who have played here, including Green Day, the Stereophonics, and of course, from Wales itself, Mr. Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Yeah. And the grounds here apparently can accommodate nearly 10,000 people. So when they have a music event, they can really have one heck of a music yeah, event. Yeah, the, the outside lawn or that area in mm-hmm. front of the castle is very, it's immense. Huge. So when you visit Cardiff, there might be a possibility there might that there might be some event like that, you know, fairly big happening there. So check the calendar of events in Wales. Mm-hmm. In Cardiff, rather, and uh, see if there's anything else happening at Cardiff Castle beyond the uh, typical tours that you can see. As we've done before, we like to give you an idea of what there is out there for food, eating, dining. Mm -hmm. And we did start with breakfast that morning, and we just had coffee and porridge, which was different from what we've done before we had, on the trip. we had on the trip, yeah. Yeah. So for in our regular non-traveling life, we have a fairly boring and routine breakfast routine. But we like it. And that is oatmeal six out of seven days a week. Sunday through Friday, we eat oatmeal. And we always make it the same way. So every now and then, we do like to get a sense of how other people make oatmeal and porridge. And knowing that, I guess... You know, oatmeal and porridge, I think, has been a thing in England. At least I saw it in the movie Oliver Twist. I wanted to at least have one day where we, where we had some oatmeal yeah. in the UK. So, so the issue is, as we said before, in Wales, not a lot opens up before 9 a.m. Yeah. So we had to find something that was open because we do like to get early starts. So we did find a place that did have coffee and porridge. Early. The, that was early enough for us, and the porridge was actually um, an instant porridge that they just put hot water in, which we've had many times before, so that wasn't an issue for us. Well, this was a kind of just a run-of-the-mill coffee shop, so yeah, you weren't experiencing. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we just kind of felt lucky that we found a place that was open as early as we were looking to get some coffee and a bite right. to eat, because as you've mentioned before on prior episodes, places for breakfast seem to open later than we're accustomed to here in the States. Yeah, and we were just ready for something simple, yeah. so that worked for us. Yeah. So one of the things I remembered about that breakfast was the, the porridge slash oatmeal, even if it was on the instant side. It was somewhat more like on the creamy side than what the way we usually make it. 
So that inspired me to do kind of a recreation of a creamy oatmeal. And so on our website, we do have recipes that we are recreating from things that we ate in the UK. And so there is a recipe posted for a creamy oatmeal that you'll find on the placeswherewego.com. If you go to the recipes category, you'll see that. So- well, and the reason that it was creamy, because I think that's very UK to actually put cream in the porridge. Yeah, we just use water. Yeah, so when we did get it there, even at that, you know, that coffee shop, mm-hmm. they did they put cream in it. Another recipe we tried to recreate at home. Mm-hmm. While breakfast options in the city center were fairly modest, when it's time for lunch, the castle is located right at the edge of the city center, so you have lots of options for food. So this particular day for lunch, we went to a place called the Barker Tea House. One of you know many options. We wanted also to have a nice, authentic tea experience. So this was a neat place where we got bloomers, these nice sandwiches and tea, and just enjoyed a nice late afternoon lunch. Mm-hmm. And if that, if that doesn't work for you, you have so many other options in the city center itself, too. All right. So when you're planning some time to visit in Cardiff, uh, we would recommend spending some time at the Cardiff Castle. It's one of the probably top things to do in the city center itself. Um, we went. We're glad we did it. And we learned quite a few things. And you know, hopefully, if you get a chance to go there, you'll learn a few things, too, and hopefully have an enjoyable experience. We certainly had a great time there. I hope that if you ever decide to go to Cardiff, Wales, that you'll take time and spend some some really fun, pleasant time at a castle that is so incredibly full of history. After lunch, we did go to another destination. We will visit this destination with you on our next episode. So for now, we'd like to say cheerio. Till next time. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.